0: And there we are once again. I love you, Peggy. Hello.
1: I love you, too.
0: We're the Chicago Brain Buddies. That's the University of Chicago Neurobiology Professor Peggy Mason. That's her. See there? And I'm Aaron Freeman, <laughs> artist and resident for the Chicago Council on Science and Technology. And today we are uh, talking about these this bad boy here, the, there, the cerebellum.
1: Nice graphic there, Aaron.
0: Thank you very much. And so uh, what exactly are we looking at?
1: We are looking at, on the left, we're looking at a section through the middle of the brain. And then at the back, we have the little red cerebellum. So it is part of the hindbrain and it attaches to the pons. Remember that the pons and the cerebellum are in a very good marriage.
0: Ah, the pons. They yeah, will yeah, 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 Never yeah. be
1: divorced.
0: And so the pons is what we see at the top of the brainstem there.
1: The pons is. I don't know how to point to the pons.
0: Yeah, you can't really.
1: <laughs> but um, the pons is the middle part of the part part of the brainstem. It's right. just underneath if if you go in the human because we're upright. Yeah. If you go to the left down a little bit into to the left on that diagram, you'll see that's where the pons is. Okay. So that's the cerebellum. It sits in the back. It's called little brain. Interestingly enough, we have, we do you remember the definition of a cortex?
0: Uh, bark.
1: Woo, woo. Bark, good. Bark meaning bark, not, not dog bark, but, no. uh, <laughs>
0: but tree bark. bark. Bark like in cork.
1: In, in it the, the out, outside of a tree. So yeah. uh, the cortex is the outside of the brain. It's on the surface. It's a layered structure. And it has a very, it has to have a, a cell type that that is very big in principle. You mean uh, like those famous Purkinje cells? Like those famous Purkinje cells. And also pyramidal cells. Remember the
0: pyramidal- them? Pyramidal and, and interestingly enough why are they called pyramidal cells
1: their little their little cell body looks like a pyramid <laughs> that's so fun. um the the cortex that everyone thinks about is in the cerebrum the cerebral cortex very fancy place that's what allows me to talk to you and you to talk to me <sighs>
0: Are you yeah, yeah. And you I'm ever there.
1: made that lovely tableau in back of you? That's a yes. very cortical event.
0: Ah, okay. So, the, so all of the, f- the stuff that we think about brains doing, as in moving us around and talking and thinking and planning and all, all, that, and all that.
1: All that fancy stuff.
0: That's all cortical stuff.
1: Cerebral cortex. Cerebral cortex. Now okay. here's the thing. You also have a cerebellar cortex. Oh, ah. uh, we have a cerebellar cortex. It's a different looking cortex. The cer- most of cerebral cortex is what we call neocortex, which means it has six layers. Um, and then cerebellar cortex has three layers.
0: Now okay. I, I, I assume that the, those those six layers are they call neocortex because other critters don't, other primates don't have them,
1: other vertebrates don't have them. Mammals have. Mammals have neocortex. Okay. Well, and, so. Uh, but no no other vertebrate has a neocortex.
0: But we're we... talking today about the, the cerebellum because the cerebellum is yep. fairly famous because of its wonderful ability to regulate fine motor activities. <laughs> that's, right, that's right, that's right, that's right. It's very famous. And everybody knows and also the point that you have made many many times which is that it that it the smooth movement of those motor of those skeletal muscles requires and the cerebellum requires practice 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 that's
1: right I, I, thank
0: that's you for joining us right so, um yeah yeah the cerebellum requires practice 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 okay so those are the two two of the big kind of those are my two big my two general takeaways from about the cerebellum. Right? I mean, the thing, about,
1: the thing about the cerebellum requiring practice is that it 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 is hooked up as though it's a sensory organ. A sen- it serves a sensory purpose because it gets so much sensory input. Sensory input just comes barreling into this into the cerebellum, um, but it actually serves a motor purpose. And one of the things that we ne- we understand now is that the cerebellum does not come out. Of the womb, programmed.
0: Ah, okay? okay.
1: It only programs itself once you start to feed it data. Okay. And so it starts to program itself, possibly during fetal life, and then very much uh, once the animal is born, and that allows the cerebellum to figure out what what is your body because it's moving your body. It's it, it's responsible for modulating. The movements of your body, not the movements of somebody that's, say, four foot five inches, right? I mean, it did go through a time when you were four foot five inches, but now you're no longer that tall. You're taller, and your cerebellum has to adapt and be able to coordinate your movements no matter how tall you are as you change.
0: Now, as
1: you are injured or as you grow stronger or more skilled, et cetera.
0: Well, for one thing, I assume that you mean this is one of the explanations for the awkwardness of teenagers because their bodies are changing and their cerebellum are functioning. This has not having to adapt to this brand new body.
1: Well, I think it's more a little bit more toddlers. Um, toddlers, children. I mean, one One place to think about it is actually watch a kid learn how to talk. Right?
0: Hi, Francesca. Thank
1: you They're just kind of... They're approximating the vowels and the consonants. They're not spot on. and Usually, only a parent or a very close friend or relative can understand what they're saying. I couldn't understand some stranger's kid. Um, but if I listen to them enough, I can start to understand them. Right. And that's because they're not coordinating their laryngeal or their upper airway muscles as well as they eventually will learn to do, uh, now, and that's also the way, the reason why toddlers reach for things awkwardly or walk a little bit—they don't walk with their adult uh, form.
0: But but okay, so so again, as I said, the the so cerebellum is very famous for its its motor skill, its motor uh, uh, right. Skill. But then there comes this paper. The, right. The, so tell me about this is why the paper we're doesn't talking. Come it? out of the blue. I'm sorry.
1: This paper does not come out of the blue. The the senior author is a, is a man named Sam Wang from Princeton, who's a very clever and deep, he's a clever man and a deep thinker. And he's uh, pointed out for a while that cerebellar damage at uh, sometime early in development, fetal birth, early uh, postnatal days, um, that that has the uh, has a increases the risk of a of an individual developing autism by over thirty times. Yeah. It, it it damage to the cerebellum is to autism what smoking is to lung cancer. It is a major, major risk factor. So Sam Wang looked at that and thought about it and hit and you know if you take out the cerebellum of a fully developed uh, adult, typically you w- the first thing you would say is not that they have a social problem. First thing you would say is that they have some motor problems. Right. And what he what he has advanced is this idea that the problems in the cerebellum have an effect at during development and that has downstream effects. You set up your brain wrong because your cerebellum is not working correctly. And that was the idea that, um, that he sought to test in this experiment. And he did it in a pretty clever way, and the results are, are intriguing as hell. Um, it'll, it'll be wonderful to see uh, this repeated and uh, extended, um, but it, it looks pretty good.
0: Well, can you describe for us the very clever way he tested?
1: Yeah. So what he did is he took these things called dreads, and dreads are – they're receptors – that's Here, an, ac- remember, an acronym, right? It's an acronym for designer receptors exclusively activated by designer drugs.
0: Right? <laughs> right. So
1: what does that mean? It means that you have a receptor that that allows um, ion channel that allows ions to flow across a membrane, but that that. You can introduce that into an animal, but you can only activate it with a molecule that's not found in nature. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to introduce this receptor into a group of cells. And in this case, what he did was he put it into interneurons in the cerebellum.
0: Uh, interneurons? Um, Wait, interneurons? We know neurons. We know interneurons. Cells. Interneurons. Just
1: a, a, a very... Um... Small population of neurons that have a big effect on the Purkinje cells, which is the big important cell in the cerebellum.
0: And they're called interneurons because they they help cells. They communicate between cells, between neurons.
1: They modulate the Purkinje cells. They are a type of interneurons. Okay. So there are a variety of different types of interneurons. We don't have to believe me. You don't want to go there, but yeah. um, but it, you put them into cerebellar interneurons, with the result that the Purkinje cells are going to be firing, I'm sorry, the output of the cerebellum is going to be down-regulated. There's going to be less output. from. You're going to basically silence the cerebellum.
0: So this experiment, uh, he, he, he silenced the, uh, uh, the cerebellum. Didn't the experiment. He did,
1: that, he did more than that. He didn't silence the cerebellum. That's basically taking a telephone pole and whacking a baseball um, with a telephone pole okay so yeah that's an overkill okay what he actually did was he put this into just a small little part various small little parts in the cerebellum Yep. so they they don't have they have very uninteresting names lobes and cruces so we don't have to worry about that but various specific parts and what he found was then he did a lot of behavioral tests on these animals. After he gave the designer drug, so once he gives the designer drug, that the that part of the cerebellum and only that part of the cerebellum is silenced.
0: Are we talking posterior cere- cerebellum?
1: It, it's in the posterior half. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: yeah. Um, so he does this, and he, as a control, he also does this when they're adults. Okay. Okay. And when he silent and you know, cut a long story short. When he does this when they're adults, there's no, there's almost no effect or very few effects. But when he does it when they're developing, at each location, there are specific things that go wrong, such as um, the ability to uh, reverse learning. So if I tell you, Aaron, go over towards the lake and you'll find pokemons galore and you go and you go towards the lake and you're very excited now you always go to the lake because you're going to always find more pokemons and now if i switch the rule so that you have to go towards the city instead of towards the lake um now you will you will learn that but these mice that had this inactivation of a particular part of the cerebellum they were not able to changed. They kept on going to the lake, even after we said, okay, the rule has changed, now we're off, and we're going towards the city. And they couldn't reverse their pattern. They couldn't reverse the learning that they already had. So that's one example.
0: I, say, I think, as I recall from the paper, that the the impairment to the, the mouth cerebellum was, were temporary. They were reversible.
1: Very temporary. Okay, so
0: let me make it Permanently autistic mice.
1: So the point that that Sam Wang, or the idea that Sam Wang would would uh, he, the way he interprets this and the way he thinks this works, is that the cerebellum is in a loop with the cortex. It's definitely in a loop with the motor cortex when you are an adult, but when you're a baby, it's in the loop with all parts of the cortex the association cortex, parietal cortex, temporal cortex, it's setting up how you use your brain. And if it's offline, if it can't do its job right, you're not gonna use your brain right. And in particular, what happens are these things that um, impair social behaviors as well as, um, for example, make these animals more susceptible to repetitive behaviors. Uh, in mice, one of the things that mice do is they over-groom. They just groom and groom and groom and groom and groom. Um, Is
0: it unfair to say this is a sort of mousy version of OCD?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, and and Maggie's right. So cool, and it correlates with the rigidity of of ASD, of of Autism Spectrum Disorder, where a child may not be able to switch from this to that and these mice can't learn that it's no longer this it's now that and that's exactly right and and so what's i think what's so exciting about this is that we've all been because social behavior and these complex behaviors are all products of the cerebral cortex we've all been looking in the cerebral cortex but what sam wang is trying to can is trying to argue arguing is that it's, the problem is in the cerebral cortex, but only because the cerebellar cortex didn't partner with the cerebral cortex correctly, or that that's at least one way in which you can arrive at an autism-like
0: uh, phenotype. Now, did you say that this is not news necessarily, or this didn't come out of nowhere?
1: It didn't come out of nowhere because Sam Wang has, has been arguing about Okay. For this for such this type of an idea, this type of a framework for a number of years. but he's not the only one, but he's the primary one.
0: And so what's news is this particular paper uh oh, yeah. was, was results that
1: The paper is very- beautiful and very compelling. It, and and yeah, so- it's really exciting.
0: And so this it's news because this was an experimental demonstration of what he'd been saying all along, a particularly successful demonstration?
1: Yeah, right. And it's in, and, and you know, one of, one of the things I like about it is that he did the same, he gives, he has these um, dreads, these receptors that are only responsive to a drug that is not found in nature. And he has these um, receptors in the cerebellum of different mice and he can either administer the drug this this artificial drug in neon you know sort of during development at a time that, that in the mouse is similar to being say two two years old in the, in a human okay so right. early childhood and then he can also administer it during the, in adulthood, and it doesn't have the effect when he administers it in adulthood. It only has it during development.
0: So well, the
1: whole so, thing really does string together pretty
0: nicely. So, can we say that we've now discovered the cause of autism in humans?
1: Um, I think this is a compelling result that this is the cause of at least some types of autism. You know, it's very unclear to me how many different types of autism there are. Personally, I think that there are, um, there are many different types and probably many different, what we would call etiologies, causes, reasons, uh, stories that got you from uh, not autistic to autistic.
0: Well, how much do we know about repairing disorders in, in the cerebellum? Um,
1: the cerebellum is very plastic. And so, for example, if you had a stroke in the cerebellum, um, you would, to a large extent, get better. It's true in the cerebral cortex. We do get a um, we do get a lot better over time. Um, is the the cortex or, or the cerebellar cortex is probably high on the plastic uh, scale, so pretty, e- you know pretty, it's, it's able to recover. And Francesca, yeah, we will put the link. There is a link buried somewhere in the, um, in, in the, uh, Facebook page. But if you, the other thing you can do is, um, Google Badura, B-A-D-U-R-A, Wang, W-A-N-G and E Life, and you'll get to it.
0: But there is a link Um, on the Chicago Brain Buddies. That's us, Chicago Brain Buddies. There is a link on the Chicago Brain Buddies uh, Facebook page, and also on the Chicago Brain Buddies channel on YouTube.
1: And it's called "Normal Cognitive and Social Development Require Posterior Cerebellar Activity." Yep. So between all that, you can you can actually get it through Google. And and nicely, I'm happy to say that eLife is a um, uh, is open source or, or Open access,
0: no paywall. So, you don't no to paywall. No to subscribe. No,
1: so, no pain in the neck trying to get the article.
0: So I, so what I think I hear you saying is that this is for, to, to prove this, to prove that the cerebellum, the early damage to the cerebellum, that gives us a good clue as to the origin of some forms of autism, and the plasticity of the cerebellum gives us some hope. Although, what I think also, are you saying though that the whole wiring of a lot of the brain is done? That the cerebellum is, you need a well-functioning cerebellum to make the brain wire up right. So it's not like you just fix the cerebellum at 40 or 30 or 20 or 10 and then things are going to rewire themselves. You're talking early organization.
1: That's right. That's right. It, no, there's there's not that much... Um, I don't see an easy way to fix this as in adulthood.
0: So now uh, what uh, Maggie asks.
1: Um, Any insight about why kids hang into ASD behavior and why adults don't become autistic.
0: Ah. Well,
1: I mean, adults are gonna have to come through childhood. This is definitely a developmental disorder. So it's not gonna appear in, in um, adulthood without having been present. Uh, there, there's no evidence that there, that, that ever occurs. Um, I think there is some change that occur- occurs across the life cycle. Uh, with autism, I think that uh, it 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 changes. I'm I do not know whether the symptoms ameliorate, exacerbate, do a mixture of both. But I, I do at least my experience with people has been that it changes over um over the life cycle.
0: But do adults, don't de- autism- be- no- What's that? No adult- adults don't develop autism.
1: They don't develop autism as an adult. Right.
0: That's what I mean. They can
1: the still have autism if they right. yes. had it as a kid. Right. So Francesca says, many people in the autistic spectrum are very sensitive to noises, lights, touch, something to do with the cerebellum. That's unclear. That That's... Um, but it certainly could be because the cerebellum hooks up to all sorts of um, areas in the cerebral cortex that are responsible for perception and sensory perception. So it's possible... They didn't go into that here.
0: Well, now, no, this is also, uh, Lelani mentions about fibromyalgia. Is it associated with the cerebellum?
1: Um, not, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So, um, is this- I, I don't think it's related. Fibromyalgia is a, is a really different beast than autism.
0: So is it possible that this is just the beginning of our deepening understanding of the cerebellum, that we will, in another decade, someone will discover something else that the cerebellum is involved in that no one has yet gleaned? Well, there's
1: a, there's a man named Jeffrey Schmaman, and and uh, he's been arguing for some time that cerebellum has a lot of cognitive, uh, has a great deal of cognitive impact or damage to the cerebellum has a great deal of cognitive impact even in an adult. So for example, he'll say that after a cerebellar lesion, um, if I ask you to, to bisect a line, I draw you a line, You say, I say cut, make a, a mark where it's half and half on each side. Um, that people with a cerebellar lesion aren't able to do that as well as people without. So you know, where, where that, and his, his assertions are, I would say, controversial. Um, probably the most well-accepted, uh, non-motor, uh, um, role for the cerebellum is a role in language. So to do with a, a part of the cerebellum that interacts with the left hemisphere that's involved in language, right. um, and that's and there's a, a man named Peter Strick, and he also has advanced this idea. So that's probably the 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 sort of non-classical view of the cerebellum that is the most accepted. Um, and now I think with this paper, Sam Wang really pushes the field to say, well, if you don't, you know, why aren't you going to accept this? You know, this is good evidence. This is really good evidence. So it looks as though the cerebellum plays a role in setting up the, you know, setting up the the, the cerebral cortex to be the social cognitive animals that
0: we are. So is this the kind of thing that you as a researcher says Ooh, this is, a, this is pretty promising. Let me go grab some of my rats and see what I can do.
1: Um, not, I, uh, not so much, but I have other things going on. But, but I think it's very exciting. I think it's very exciting.
0: So let me just say, we are the Chicago Brain Buddies. That is Professor Peggy Mason of the University of Chicago. I'm Aaron Freeman, artist in residence for the Chicago Council on Science and Technology. We're here generally on Thursdays around 3 o'clock-ish. Please check us out on Facebook at Chicago Brain Buddies and on YouTube at the Chicago Brain Buddies and our fabulous uh, brand-new podcast, Chicago Brain Buddies, on the podcast platform near you. And also on Twitter, Chicago, brain, uh, shy brain butts. But so, uh, so let's
1: let's look at what uh, Trine has to say. Okay. I have worked with teens within the autism spectrum, and many have a remarkable development. You think that is due to training, or else due to the brain being extra plastic during those years? Um, you know, so I think that what Trine is talking about are these savon-like uh, qualities that some autistic individuals or ASD individuals have. Um, And I suspect that that is uh, part and parcel with the development of, I mean, you can almost think of it as there's the development of these repetitive behaviors in mice. It's over grooming in, in kids it's um, other things, but that they, uh, that that there might be this uh, ability to, to, overthink, over-fixate on certain topics, and so become becomes savant in that way. Um, Maggie? So, change not savant.
0: So Maggie says that sensory processing difficulties are part and parcel of ASD.
1: And I think some of the changes we see in people with ASD involves better understanding of context to help with sensory processing. Um, yeah, I think that sensory processing is definitely a different beast in in ASD in, in individuals with ASD. They're not getting the same sensory input that you and I are. So um, that 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 is absolutely has to be taken into account.
0: So it, it again. So so the from what I take away from this the the the. Very hopeful uh, and optimistic notion that I get from this is the plasticity of the cerebellum. That it's rough when you're when you have trouble in the cerebellum when you're a child because it does mess with the wiring of the last the latter your well, brain for the rest of your life. But as an adult, cerebellar injuries can be overcome. I think you're saying that.
1: Well, yeah, yeah I mean, but a lot of injuries. The more north you go, and the in the neuraxis, closer to the cerebral cortex you go, the more plasticity that there is. You know, you can you can have somebody who has a stroke, and ten months later you wouldn't be able to tell that they had had a stroke. That's not so. That's not so true when you have a spinal cord injury. It's very rare that somebody has a spinal cord injury has a loss at one week, and you can't tell that a year later. You may, you may be able to move that needle a little bit, but not not in the way that you can so that you don't even know that the person had an injury which well, is true in the cerebral
0: cortex so as but I, I, don't,
1: I don't actually think that that's the take-home lesson here well i think the take-home the, lesson here is that that the cerebellum can play a huge role in organizing the um development and the circuit building of the cerebral cortex and in that way have effects on all sorts of functions that we don't think of as classically cerebellar. That's the big take home message. Cerebellum is is probably involved in in lots more, uh, many more functions than we've given it credit for because we've fixated only on its role in adulthood rather than its role during development and childhood.
0: Yeah, uh, well, that was. Let me just say in my own defense, that wasn't one of the headlines I had here. The cerebellum is not just for fine motor coordination anymore.
1: No, no, and it's you know this idea that it plays it plays a huge role in development is so important. This will be a very important thing to understand as we go forward.
0: And as we go forward and try to understand the brain and the cerebellum a little more, I am so delighted that we have to guide us along the way. The great one, Professor Peggy Mason, the the uh, the curator of the brain is so cool.com, a wonderful blog. Please check it out, brain is so cool.com And if you haven't taken understanding the brain, the neurobiology of everyday life that so many of us on this thread have already taken, do enjoy, do yourself a favor and check that out. Peggy, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, everybody.
0: Love you very Thanks for the great questions, you guys. Bye.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs>